Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 146, Surviving a Plane Crash and Inspiring Aviators to Fly. Coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Hey guys, this is Carl Valeri, and I'm joined here this evening by uh, two special guests. One's a co-host here, and that's uh, Larry Overstreet, and also we have a special guest, Jeff Jorgensen. And we're going to get with them in a second, but first, we have a message from our sponsor. Our sponsor of the Stuck Mike Cavcast this evening is Aircraft Insurance Resources, or air-pros.com. Aviation Insurance Resources has resources and insurance for all different types of clients, whether you're into drones, experimentals, uh, certified aircraft, commercial, non-owners, owners insurance, everything out there. They're wonderful. Victoria Newville, who's our co-host here, actually works with them. Check them out. They're a wonderful sponsor. They've been doing some great uh, research, and they're, they're aviators. They're pilots themselves. Aviation Insurance Resources, air-pros.com. Go out and check out that website. Now entering cruise flight. Well, on to our guest here. Uh, Jeff Jorgensen is uh, actually an extraordinary pilot, inspirational individual, and has had some very interesting situations happen in his flying career. And uh, one of the things that, that I love about Jeff is the fact that he he truly has gone out there and he's making a living in general aviation. And that's why one of the reasons we wanted to bring him on to the Stuck Mike Avcast. And uh, welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's uh, it's really it's interesting when uh, Larry he uh, brought me into this uh, website of yours, and it's uh, it's actually a blog, and he talks about surviving a plane crash. and And normally, you know, the the, the last thing you want to see when you bring up an aviation you know website is a, a broken up aircraft, and it was kind of interesting. and And I said to myself, "Wow, this is kind of neat that you actually are a pilot, flight instructor, and you are involved." in a crash where you were actually the passenger of that aircraft. And this is kind of interesting because I think people are thinking, gosh, you're the flight instructor, but you are actually part of that. Tell us a little bit about that instance. Yeah, so the short version is I was on another, um, I was on another flight mission. I had a photographer that I was flying with in another aircraft. We landed for a break for lunchtime. And uh, there's this really nice, red, beautiful Xenon gyrocopter sitting there on the field. And I've been trying to get a ride with this guy because I just think they're really cool. They just look neat. And so I've been trying to get a ride with this guy for like a year. And he had just gotten back from a flight to, from a nearby airport and uh, was standing there. And he's like, hey, you want to go for a ride? And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I got my photographer here and, we're, you know, I'm on another mission. I can't today, but I appreciate the offer. You know, I'd love to go sometime. And my photographer chimes in and he says, well, actually – um, you know, we got a lot of time and, you know, if you want to go, if you're just going to go on a quick ride, you know, 10, 15 minutes around the patch or something, we, we could do that. 
And uh, so, yeah, so we did a walk around and, and jumped in, did a briefing and took off and went. So that flight, though, was a, it was actually really interesting. I mean, it was, it's really cool to go into a gyrocopter, which I've never done. But uh, there's, there's one of the things that I think uh, happened during this, and I remember reading about it, that kind of gets your heart beating, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you could say that. So um, it takes 90 seconds for the, you know, the way the gyrocopter, it's got a pusher motor, and then it's got a rotor on the top, sort of like a helicopter. And so we taxi out with the pusher motor, and then it takes 90 seconds. We get on line up on the runway. It takes 90 seconds to spin up. And uh, so we're sitting there, we're spinning up, and I'm taking video with my iPhone. I'm like, this is really cool. And I'm totally just a passenger. And this guy knows I'm a passenger. Um, and uh, he knew I was a flight instructor, but he also knew that I'd never been in a gyro before, and that was the whole purpose of the ride. And so the thing spins up, and we're take, I'm taking video and stuff, and we take off. And uh, less than a minute into the flight, I heard a noise change. I don't know, call it, you know, I've been flying for, you know, I started flying 20 years ago. And so over the years, you you just sort of have an intuition with different types of airplanes. And when you hear certain things, right, it just kind of made me more alert. I'm like, okay, something happened. I don't know what's going on or what happened. but um, <clears throat> And excuse me. So... Uh, I look over, so I put the phone down. I stopped recording. That was my, the, the biggest thing I regret about the whole incident was that I stopped recording. But, um, and I, I started, you know, sort of focusing on the panel, right? Cause I, I hadn't been paying attention to anything. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and, uh, so I'm looking at things and I, I the, the pilot is really focused and he's, um, you know, he's sort of, he's busy, more so than I would have expected for someone to be on a routine. I mean, it was a beautiful, clear in a million day. There was uh, a light crosswind of, you know, maybe five knots. And so, I mean, it was a perfect day to go for a ride in just about anything. And um, he was more busy than I would expect. I'm like, uh, what's going on? And he says, well, I, we're losing power. I thought, well, that's <laughs> that's not optimal. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say when you you were I noticed you said you were scanning instruments and looking around. Did did you notice anything different other than noises? I mean, could you figure out what was happening there? Because this is a whole new. Here you are a pilot and you're in something new and you it's kind of weird, isn't it? Not being able to control a situation. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was. Um, I have a new rule now. I don't fly any. I don't ride as a passenger in anything that I can't fly myself. Ah. Um, which is going to be problematic at some point, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, no more airlines I, for you. I, <laughs> uh, oh no, I've seen the movie airplane. I'm convinced. I can oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Have the fish. But I looked at the panel and I don't know a thing, right? I don't know the RPMs we're supposed to be at in this thing. I don't know what the V speeds are. I don't, I don't know anything. So I, I mean, I know what our altitude is. We're at about 500 feet. Um, and so, other than that, I didn't have a clue. I had no idea what to what to look for, what to do, and the you know the controls aren't like an aircraft either. So I can't even grab the controls and try to help. Right? I mean, I'm literally like I got my my phone in one hand and I'm holding on to my leg with the other, and going, "Well, this is I'm looking for something to hold on to. I'm you know how do I brace myself? I it was uh, it was really uh, eerie." To be in something, I really had no idea where to even go to start. 
Jeff, in this in this aircraft, what is the seating configuration? Is this side by side or tandem? Side by side. Yep. Okay. So you could see so, everything he could see. Oh yeah, I could sit right next okay. to him. I mean, we could see everything. It's a two passenger configuration, and um, it's got a twin boom tail for your listeners. And then it's got okay. a pusher motor and a rotor on top. But it's got a glass sort of floor, so you can kind of see down through the floor. You can see out the side windows, and then it's got kind of a glass roof, too. So you can see the rotors and up through the roof. The visibility in this thing was absolutely – there's no wings oh, or phenomenal. obstructions. You can see everything everywhere. It was it was amazing. Right? I mean, I, from that perspective, I can totally understand the appeal of these things. You could really see in every direction everywhere, except directly behind you, but – you know, so, so now you're now you're truly are a passenger then, and uh, it is it, it's bad for a flight instructor to be a passenger in an aircraft because we we have a tough time, you know, just letting go and giving control to someone else. That's for sure. I don't like being a passenger in an airliner. Um, now, from from that point on, though, then you you didn't actually land on an airport, did you? Uh, I think maybe it might have still been airport property. I'm not sure. But we were but it certainly wasn't the runway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got up to about five hundred feet and um he discloses that we're losing power and I look out in front of us and there's trees and a deep ravine and then there's uh there's a road and then there's some power lines and uh and a ditch and then there's a field off to our right. And uh I'm like, Well, we don't want to go in that ravine. And uh, and I, I point out the power lines. I'm like, you know, at this point, the flight instructor mode kicked in totally, and I'm looking for a safe place to land. I'm trying to give him guidance the best I can. And I'm like, we got to watch out for these power lines down here. We could hit the road or the field over here. He goes, I'm trying to make the field, um, but we've lost power. And so he doesn't have any control. And, you know, at 500 feet, it takes, you know, forward airspeed to get the rotors to come up to you know to get that control to be able to turn and everything else so we're coming down as he starts to turn to try to make the field or try to avoid that ravine i think he's going to try to the road or the field and um <clears throat> it increased our descent as he as he starts to turn and so uh i knew this is good. i'm like well there's power lines there he's like yeah i, I see them <laughs> he's like i'm doing everything i can and, and he was too he was he was. I can tell that he had a mental. He was a. He's a retired engineer. He'd gotten his uh, pilot's license only a year before, but he'd flown the thing all the time. So I, I think he was a highly competent pilot, especially for a low time pilot. And uh, you know, I, he had just gotten back from another flight with another guy. So, and we did. We came down, and um, so I, I at that point I knew it was imminent. We were going to hit the power lines, and so I sort of break. I'm looking for something to hold on to to brace myself. But at that point, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes. And I'm thinking, I've got to get back. You know, part of my uh, job, you know, my daughter's in school. And so my responsibility is to pick up the daughter at three from school. So, you know, if I, I can go fly and I can do things during the day, that, but I, at three o'clock is the time I got to get back to pick her up from school, or I got to let my wife know. Right. <laughs> so at this point, it looks like there's a strong possibility that A, I'm not going to pick up my daughter from school, and B, I may not be able to let my wife know <laughs> that I'm not going to pick up my daughter from school, right? 
I mean, it wasn't like I had time to, I got my phone in my hand, but it wasn't like I had time to text her, mostly because I had a death grip on the phone, and it's hard to move your thumb when you're, but, but uh, um, so that, that was, that was my biggest dilemma all the way down is crap. Yeah, it's like, what do I do <laughs> what now? What if, what if I don't pick up my daughter and I don't let my wife know? Right. And then, uh, so, so here, it's kind of interesting the things you do think about right beforehand. Um, but now you're, you're at that point where, you know, you're, you're pretty committed to this landing, uh, and to say the least, and, and you actually are looking at these power lines. So did you actually hit the power lines? Oh yes, we did. We came right down through the power lines and I was concerned that we were going to flip over upside down because, you know, with that glass roof and the rotors up there and everything, I, I didn't think landing upside down in, in a gyroplane was going to be optimal. Right. And so that was, I'm like, well, okay. Uh, and then, you know, but we came down through them. I didn't even feel the power lines. Like I was braced for it or trying to, and never even felt it. We came down through them hard enough that we just snapped them and just kept on going. Wasn't an issue. Uh until we hit the hit the ditch and then we rolled over on the, my side. The rotor started slamming into things and broke off and and uh, rolled over onto my side. So my door was I had jarred the door open even. I thought of that. Yes. But then Good. we were laying on it, so <laughs> that didn't work for me. But um, so you're, before this happened, then before you actually landed, you went through that. Like every flight instructor says, you know, do this, this, and this before you land. Luckily, you had that, you know, wherewithal as a flight instructor to say, okay, I need to, uh, you know, crack this a little bit, the door, bring, keep it ajar, that type of thing. Uh, so preparing for for this inevitable, you know, stop and and sudden stop is, is something that you're doing. So so now you've done that. Now now what happened? I mean, now you're thinking about we have to stop. And then the next thing is stop and get out of the aircraft. So take us through the stopping of the aircraft. What happens and then and then what happens after you stop? So I braced for the power lines. We came down through them. We landed in the ditch. Uh, we landed pretty hard. I, I, you know, I, I don't have anything to compare it to because I don't crash airplanes very often. So. Well, that's good. But but we uh, yeah, don't make a habit of that. <laughs> yeah, the, twenty years is my first time. I'm willing to go another twenty at least before I do it again. So, <laughs> um, but uh, so we rolled over onto my side, and we had the four point harnesses on, and so but he couldn't get out of his seatbelt. So I got mine off, and he couldn't. You know, he was kind of uh, wedged, and I mean, he was laying. We were kind of on our side, or kind of upside down, and. So he was just in an awkward position, and it was putting a restraining on on the seatbelt. And whereas he had his arm, so his window was broken out, and his arm out of the window, trying to pull himself up. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so his other arm, he wasn't able. He was kind of hanging on, and he wasn't able to let go. You know, from to to, so he couldn't get out of his seatbelt. So I was. Mm. Uh, uh, so I undid my seatbelt, and then I was helping him try to get out of his seatbelt. And we smelled fuel, and then we smelled smoke. And that uh, gets your adrenaline going. Uh-huh. That was scarier than the crash landing. Right? Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, during the crash, I closed my eyes, and I braced for it. I'm like, okay, this, this you know, might hurt. I might kill me. Maybe nothing. I don't know. We came down through it, and it was definitely a jolt. But it was, I'm like, wow, that wasn't nearly as bad as, you know, I thought it could have been. 
So, but then we smelled smoke and fuel, and I'm like, well, wouldn't it be a shame to survive the crash? Right. <laughs> and, and then, um, and then so, have a fire. Well, yeah, and then and then to burn up in the in the the thing afterwards. So we were um, we had a sense of urgency to say the least. So and when you're at going and as people are listening to this, uh, what I want people to start thinking is what you you know what you would you have done and kind of bring yourself through this because one of the things as flight instructors I'm sure you do Jeff and Larry does etc is we actually think about how to get out of the air, aircraft afterwards and the importance of that. Obviously at the airlines they do that and do a ton of training on that. But uh, do you think that your training, and this is an important point, is do you think the training you had so far helped you in this situation? Well, um, uh, you know, I believe so. Um, so m- the first thing that I did is I recognized the engine was still running. We'd broken the rotors off, but the engine was still running. I said, we got to get the engine off. And um, turned off the engine, and he goes, I should shut off the fuel. And so he shut off the fuel. And then um, I got out of my seatbelt, and then I'm literally holding him up so he can get out of his. And uh, he gets out of his seatbelt, and then he could stand up on my door, and then he crawled out through the his door then and exited the aircraft. And um, I, I was um, pretty soon uh, to exit the aircraft right after him. So. Mm-hmm. so in in getting out and all, one of the things that I think people don't realize is there's no canned way of figuring out what to do and how to exit an aircraft. I know, uh, no matter what it is, just like in flying, we, we have to. There's contingencies, and and uh, there's no you know definite role. This is what's going to happen next, etc. So you have to improvise. In other words, you really do. And the fact you know, you had you were in this awkward position that you weren't expecting, but you were able to get yourself out of that. Um, now, when you did get out. Uh, were you able to, to walk away from the aircraft and, and get far away? Yeah, I was. So, uh, you know, he got out and climbed out, and I don't know where he went. And then I, I climbed out, and then I saw the smoke was about 20 yards from us. The fire, when the power lines came down, they'd started a grass fire about 20 yards from us. And it was coming towards us, but I knew that I knew that I had time to exit the aircraft safely. So I got out and um, uh, jumped on, you know, down the ditch, climbed up onto the road, and by that point, the, the my photographer and the airport manager actually saw us going down, and they got in the airport car, and they almost beat us to the crap side. They came over to the top of the hill. They were they were moving, and uh, um, you know they asked if we were okay, and I said, yeah, sure, I'm fine. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, well, I just crashed an airplane. Am I really okay? You know, is adrenaline going, and I'm hurt, but I can't tell. And, and then, you know, I noticed my back hurt and my leg hurt and my arm kind of hurt. And then I remembered that I had fallen down the stairs at my home a few days before. And those are all the injuries from from that. So uh, I tell people stairs are dangerous. You know, if you have to choose between a plane crash and stairs, the plane crash fared better than the stairs. <laughs> But but we're not oh, going to do man. another one of those. No, no, a no plane crash it is. I'm not going to test <laughs> my luck. No, no. don't do, don't do either one. I, I hear neither one are good. Yeah, but, uh, or ladders. Jeff, you in your post, you you talked. I, I think one of the things that really grabbed me it was it was you know the story up to this point is you know uh, you know super captivating um, and puts me in the spot of thinking about gosh how would how would I respond if my door was on the ground. And I couldn't open it. You know, would I would I think clearly enough, quickly enough, you know, to help the other guy get out and all that? 
But some of the things you talked about later in the post about what happened afterwards, the decisions that you had to make, the, um, you know, news media crew, the, you know, letting your wife know, finding out she already knew, you know, talk to us about those things. Because you had a you had a line in there that says your, you know, your flight instruction teaches you how to deal with the emergency in, you know, immediately, but it doesn't teach you anything about the, the aftermath. And that really, to me, was powerful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, as a flight instructor, we teach our students this stuff all the time. So, and, or, you know, with the airlines, you train for it all the time. So, you know, prop the door open, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did the prop the door open, get out, turn off the engine, turn off the fuel, you know, call the NTSB, uh, report at <laughs> the FAA, you know, the airport and everything. And so exiting the, the seatbelts, exiting the aircraft and, and the whole, uh, you know, I took some photos, but then, you know, afterwards it was like, okay, well, I, I, you know, we had landed, but my car, I needed to return the airplane and get back to my car so I could go pick up my daughter at three. And then there were so many other things like, well, you know, the news crew called me and they're like, well, we're going to be at your house in 40 minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to pick up my daughter and I'll be there in about 40 minutes. My wife comes home from work and the news crew's (laughs) sitting in my house with a big camera and she's like, so I texted before that. I'm like, everything's fine if the news crews is here when you get home. And uh, apparently, that's not a good thing to text your wife. No. I just Because <laughs> <laughs> now she's like, what have you done? So the Go get a coffee. Home. I'll tell you later. Well, I picked up the daughter, and, and I have my son, Isaac. He's three. And the neighbor, the, the neighbor lady had offered to watch the kids. She's like, looks like you're busy. You've had a lot going on today. And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. But um, she's like, well, the kids can come over to my place if they want. I'm like, well, that's really sweet of you. Thank you so much. And so the kids went over there. So wife comes home. News crew's here. She can't find the kids. And uh, it was uh, – I, I was getting some glares while the, while the news was there. So it was, it was interesting. Um, so but, you know, then the FAA called me, and they they wanted to know what happened. And there's just all these chains of events that happens after the accident, right? So your training leads you up to the point of surviving the accident, and then after that, I was I was really uh, ill prepared. You've been flying for 20 years, and nobody ever told you what what happens next. Well, I've never crashed an airplane before, so <laughs> you know, I've, nobody's and- nobody's ever told me either. So. Uh, you know, and I can even, you know, I've, and I've told my students, you know, all the, all the safety things and stuff, but I, and, uh, you know, even recite the regulations for how long you have to report an incident versus an accident, everything else. But, but, um, all the other stuff that goes after it was, was, uh, a shock to me. That was the biggest surprise. Hmm. So during, and what's interesting is that we, we sometimes don't realize how to work with that, work with the media, work in the situation at hand. Obviously, you know, at the airlines, uh, you know, the airline I work for, we have a, a procedure and there's protocol as to what to do. I mean, everybody watched the movie, or a lot of people watch the movie Sully, and uh, boy, you have union reps show up, you have everybody else. You, on the other hand, you know, you're kind of on your own, and it'd be nice if you really had a toolkit to say, okay, this is what I need to say to the media, this is what I need to say to the, you know, a, a post-crash uh, or post-incident type of a, a checklist, which would be be really cool. I, I just, I'm 
listening to this saying, my gosh, you know, it, it's it's too bad you didn't have that all, all playing out in your head, but who does? I mean, who, who thinks about that kind of stuff? Yeah, my PR firm, I'm firing them. Well, right. I don't have I tried to call HR, but like I said, I, I, I texted HR and I told but, her. But she, she, was, she was glaring at you. She was glaring at you. <laughs> she was glaring because she needed a more uh, resolute answer than that. And um so yeah, I didn't. I don't have those resources as a as a, just a freelance flight instructor, yeah. and uh, you know most flight instructors don't. I mean, even an FBO typically mm-hmm. doesn't have those types of resources. So yeah, um, Jeff, you you've um, uh, this has only been this is still fresh, right? This has only been what a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks as, oh, wow. as we're recording this. Um, have you had a chance to think about is it going to impact how you instruct? Or maybe topics that you cover that you hadn't covered in the past, or you know, give us a little feedback on how it will impact you. You know, Jeff is a CFI. You know, honestly, uh, it gave me a lot of confidence in how I was instructing as far as emergency procedures and you know checklists and having a mental checklist and you know survivability, finding a best place to land. All you know, all the things that I normally teach anyway, they they all worked. Everything you know worked as advertised, but it's the uh, the conversation of what happens after you hit the ground. That's where uh, I think I need to spend a lot more time with students, right? Um, you know, have, first of all, have a contingency plan. If, you know, if I had been killed or, you know, injured, right, my wife didn't know where I was because I wasn't flying, you know, I wasn't on, I didn't file a flight plan because it was a clear million day. There was light winds. We were flying just in the local area around some local airports. You know what I mean? So uh, I didn't have any contingency sure. backup plan for when I went down. And it was I, I I had this false sense of security that I was doing quote unquote I'm doing using air quotes you can't see that over the Skype but you know um, the uh, <laughs> the you can't see the air quotes on a podcast for whatever reason <laughs> and uh, uh, the the false sense of security that I I didn't have any contingency plan right my wife didn't know where I was my um, my photographer. Uh, happens to know my wife or, you know, his wife and my wife know each other. So I had that link that could have probably helped fill in the blanks and and put everything together. But, you know, I uh, certainly wasn't solid enough for me to rely on that. And, uh, you know, it it was uh, less than two minutes from the time that we taxied onto the runway to the time that we were in the ditch. You know, you bring up a great point there as far as, you know, contacting people and et cetera. Um, I know one of the things, like when I went through my survival training, the little bit that we had, uh, one of the most important tools is a way to communicate and have people find you. And uh, I know there's all these neat devices they have. So anyway, I I just thought I'd interject that because, you know, maybe now uh, is one of the important parts of your instructing going forward. I know mine is, and especially after reading this, is telling people what they can do, what resources there are for people to find you, like uh, you know, uh, any kind of a satellite-type device that will tell you where you are in like a mayday or something like that. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, go ahead and continue, Jeff. I, 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 think, I think this is really fascinating what, what happens here. Well, yeah. So the um, you know, so you've got the ELT. So the things in the crash that happen, you know, you got the ELT. Uh, we had witnesses that saw it, and so you know, if you're going to crash an airplane, we did it correctly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe maybe all the things worked out to you know. It, well, in that right? everybody so, survived, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in that everybody survived, but you know, um, 
we were near the airport and, you know, we weren't in some remote location. There was a lot of things that really went well in our favor. Right. So, um, yeah. Um, but, uh, but the, um, like, you know, the, the, the chain of communication, but like personal communication with my wife or, you know, your kids or your family, your parents or family members or whoever, right. Have someone that knows when you're flying and when you're expected to be back. What, you know, and, you know, file a flight plan with the FAA. Yeah, you can file that. Yeah, you won't. But, you know, they're probably, you know, they will find you or, you know, find the airplane or whatever. But they're not going to call your wife either or right. your or your parents mm-hmm. or your friends or whatever. You know what I mean? So you need to have that sort of secondary chain of communication to let people know when something happens to help take care of, you know, whatever, you know. Um, you know, there's a myriad of things that that people you know we all have busy lives these days right so people have responsibilities when they come home that you need to take care of things like you know um my family have 27 pets so (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah well we've got a dog a cat guppies two parakeets um and we have chickens and then our neighbor has a goat so So (laughs) these are all so somebody's got to feed the chickens you know That's uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, so it, it really made me think about all the things that wouldn't have happened. You know, I had other meetings planned, and you know, I'm trying to publish this book, so I had a phone call with a publisher later that day, and he called, and, I, and he says, hey, uh, um, <laughs> he goes, how was your day? And <laughs> I didn't even know how to answer that, because I'm like, well, I just crashed an airplane. doesn't sound... Uh, you know, it's not appealing. It doesn't sound like the correct way to answer that question, right? I mean, we have these <laughs> predispositions about how you would expect somebody to answer that. Well, well, especially to a publisher when you're writing a book about how to get your pilot's license and other right? things. Right. <laughs> we should talk about well, that. Well, speaking, speaking of that, uh, and, and, you know, just this whole scenario before we move on, I think is, is a great learning experience for those listening. And uh, I'd love to hear feedback, you know, about, you know, what you what you might do and what you might do differently as a listener. Uh, as far as, you know, preparing yourself, not just for the, the crash and the emergency situation like we do in training, but what we do after that. I mean, obviously, when you, you, when you work for a, a big company like a big airline, they go through that quite a bit, but we don't do much of that. And I think this, I think this is great that we put a light on this and Jeff I really appreciate your you know sharing that um, but uh, but moving on you, you, you know he I know Larry just mentioned a book and we'll get to that in a second but one of the things again I think is like really appealing is the fact that you actually work in aviation in general aviation correct and and you make a living in general aviation and so one of the things that a lot of people think is not possible, and you know, I'm one that's made money in general aviation, is they always tell you, no, you can't make any money. And I, I think that's not true. But, but to back up here, you've actually had a real passion for aviation. You thought about getting into it. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that journey and, and maybe the positive or possibly negative uh, comments you've heard from people along the way. Well, so the term I, I heard this recently, and I thought it was hilarious. And I can't quote the source because I don't remember it. But uh, I, I heard uh, an entrepreneur is somebody who will work sixteen hours a day to avoid having to work eight. 
So, um, and, and that's certainly been true of, of, you know, my path in aviation. I am retired. I retired in 2010 from the Air National Guard. And um, I got my flight instructor certificate. Um, and before that, I had an aircraft detailing business. So um, I cleaned a lot of corporate jets and, you know, small general aviation aircraft. I did a lot of cars. I did some uh, recreational vehicles, you know, the big RV, you know, camper Winnebago's or whatever. And uh, that's a lot of work. That mm-hmm. that trade is a lot of buffers, a lot of um, washing and waxing. And, and uh, you know, I've got a carpet machine. And it's uh, it's a lot of work. So the money's decent um, until you pay the taxes and insurance and all that stuff. But then the the work, it uh, it's definitely a lot of work. I mean, it's not the easy life. But it's it's cool. I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. I get to select how much or how little I work, and I can take a day off if I want to. So, um, and so, the flight instruction thing. What's it? Go ahead. I was gonna say what. So you you decided to just jump into aviation. I mean, you went. You had to have gone from hey, listen, I'm thinking about becoming a pilot to to here. I am a flight instructor. Was was all your friends and family supportive of that? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My family was. I joined the military, um, you know, it would have been 27 years ago now, in order to be a pilot. And um, I didn't, I, because I, I wore glasses back then, and I didn't memorize the eye chart, which I've later heard that a lot of people have done. They memorized the eye chart, and so they got in um, with with even with not perfect vision. But I wasn't smart enough to figure that out back then, and and uh, so I joined the military, got into electronics, and this was before computers were a thing. And so I, I felt like electronics was going to be the future. And it really was, except to become more disposable, but it was a segue into computers. So uh, overall, I've been really blessed in my career. It's been fantastic. And I took the GI Bill then, and I used that to get my pi- private pilot's license and then um, after some deployments and stuff, eventually I bought a um, an RV4. And so I started flying that around. And that's when I started the aircraft detailing business. And, uh, you know, I did some, you know, marketing work and, um, you know, some websites and that stuff. You know, the, the computers and the Internet all kind of took off over the years and um, helped promote some air show uh, pilots and did some marketing work there and some websites and then uh, I ended up getting picked up by Tannis Aircraft and was the marketing manager for Tannis Aircraft for a few years. Interesting. So you actually had this this love of aviation. You were in the aviation business in general in many different aspects. But uh, but actually you went from that to you're actually flying full time, right, as a flight instructor? Uh, now I'm a flight instructor. Yeah, that's that's what I do uh, full time. Yeah. So so you went to this jump to actually doing the flight instructing. And I think one of the things that's interesting is uh, you talked about the GI Bill. For some people that don't know, that's a that's a benefit uh, that you get as a veteran and uh, allows you to put money towards school and training. And one of the things that's included is uh, some aviation training. And, of course, there's restrictions there that we won't go into because it's, it's, it's somewhat more complex than, than what I'm saying now. But it's a great resource, and I think a lot of people don't know that they can take care, you know, take advantage of it. It's a wonderful thing to take advantage of. Um, and that's that enabled you to move forward with the flying. But um, 
as far as, as flight instructing and as far as people getting into flying, one of the things that I feel is people don't realize that you can do this and there's money out there for it, obviously in scholarships and there's money you can borrow, etc. But but anybody can do this. And that's one of the things that I, I really like about what you're doing as life is the fact that you're trying to get more people in here. It's a big tent. So now you've become this flight instructor and you're sharing your story, but you've decided to share it in a, a more unique way. And that's through words in a book and in a website. And that's, uh, I think, what is it? Open Air for Everyone, I think is the name of the website? Uh, correct, yes. Okay. So could you just tell us a little bit about that I, is, as far as Open Air for Everyone? And, and what, is, what is it you're trying to dot accomplish? Com. Yeah. Dot com. Open Air for Everyone dot com. Yep. Uh, so, um, so over the years, my wife and I, so when I was de- deployed for the military, a lot of times for American holidays, people in other countries would take us in. A lot of people probably don't even realize this, but people would, you know, families would volunteer to sort of sponsor a veteran in their countries. Right? So we're over there in this, you know, uh, sort of, it's kind of a diplomatic mission a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so uh, people would take us in for the holidays. They'd give us a meal. We'd, you know, we'd hang out with them. Sometimes it was very broken English, and it was a real, it was a real struggle. But it really meant a lot to me. So my wife and I, an exchange students, uh, you know, after I retired and stuff, we started doing exchange students to sort of give back a little bit to. And the exchange students, a lot of them would come over here, and they really were interested in aviation because it's not part of culture in other countries, uh, a lot of other countries, like it is here in the U.S. And so that was kind of an inspiration. And then when my daughter got into school, um, you know, I started doing, I'd start talking to the little kids about, you know, the teachers would find out as a pilot and they're like, oh, I would love to have it come to talk to the class. And so I'd talk to the classes and I started learning how little schools and kids knew about the basics of aviation, right? How to get a pilot's license and all that sort of stuff. So that really became my inspiration for that book. You know, a lot of parents would approach me, hey, my kid's interested in aviation. How do I get started? Or, you know, where should I, what should I do? And, um, you know, I'd heard that three or four times and I'm like, you know, that's a two hour conversation <laughs> really. You know? Um, and so that was, that was really my inspiration for the book. And so th- this book takes you into aviation, not, not only as a career, not only as a hobbyist, but but for everybody and all different things in aviation, which is wonderful. Obviously, with the other podcast, Aviation Careers Podcast, that's what we do. Is we talk about all the different jobs in aviation. And that's what I love what you do. You bring these forth. But you can, you can make a living in general aviation. And also, general aviation can change your life. And if you don't get into general aviation to make a living or aviation in general, it still is a wonderful thing. And it's something that can bring much value to everybody's life because of the, the different things that you learn and the different things that, that come out of aviation in general. And I think that's that's an important point you've made just through the little bit that I was able to read. I think that that strung a chord is, is aviation is for everybody and everybody can be in aviation and also benefit from it. You're exactly right. Aviation touches virtually everyone's life in one way or another, and most people are completely complacent about that, right? I mean, we just sort of take it for granted, but yet, um, you know, the local airport doesn't, you know, interact. You know, 9-11, and there's so many other factors, and I could go into a lot of that, but I know we're running out of time. Um, But there's so many factors in communities that have isolated airports from the community, and so now they're almost two separate entities, right? And the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. 
And so I would like to drive STEM education through the schools. I would also like to drive that relationship that used to exist between FBOs and the communities where they had, you know, fundraisers and they had community events at the airport and, you know, air shows and fly-ins. And there's so much politics and legal stuff and, uh, you know, things revolving around all this stuff. But I, and, and the airports aren't family friendly like they used to be. And so I would like to at least recapture a part of that. If I can, and so you know, it's interesting, Jeff. I, I, I'd love to hear your, you know, input, and also Larry's on this one. It seems to me almost, and, and I, I know I'm going to get some feedback on this. It seems that the not the general aviation airports, but the commercial airports seem to be friendlier sometimes. You know, you can go in, you can watch airplanes. They have special places to go see the airplanes. You can even stand outside. Uh, but I think that's it, it's funny how that's that's come full circle because it used to always be, hey, there's a little airport. You just kind of you know, go in the fence and get a ride from from somebody. But uh, that is why I like this. I like the fact that that we're trying to get back to that, and I think that's what you're promoting. Yeah, that's a great observation. Thanks for bringing that up. It's uh, you know, that's exactly right. And nine eleven was a big driver for that. Uh, a lot of it is that general population less than point two percent. Now think about that. Point two percent of our population are pilots. That's not many. So wow. So. You know, there's a little over 600,000 pilots, active pilots in the United States. So uh, that 0.2% of the population are, you know, running the FBOs. And, you know, so there's 19,500 or more better airports. And so there's so few people with aviation knowledge that are making all – they're calling all the shots. And they get busy with their families and their careers and they're, you know, they're making money. And they don't have time to go out reach out in the community and, and do all this other stuff. Um, you know, reach out to the schools and, you know, plan another event or, you know, a charity and stuff. And so a lot of it isn't intentional, but it's sort of just by the nature of the way it's gone. So that's why I have a real deep passion for getting more people involved in aviation because so many cool things can happen if even we got up to 1% of the population. And one of the things that's interesting, too, is our population has grown, but our pilot population hasn't really, has it? No, since the seventies, uh, we had over eight hundred thousand pilots in the seventies, and there's over six hundred, little over six hundred thousand pilots now. But how much has our uh, population grown since then? So uh, it's been decreasing. For and a lot of it is perceptions. You know, uh, you know how much it costs to learn to fly, how hard is the training, and so that's really one of the another one of the objectives in this book is to dispel some of those myths and and perceptions that people have. Well, gosh, you know, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I tell you, it's it's awesome what you're doing. And and just even through the, you know, scholarships, you talk about that in the book, and we, we've talked a little bit about that. And uh, one of the things that I think people don't realize is scholarships, there's out there for everybody, not just people going into school, but people to get extra ratings, et cetera. And uh, it's really, it's a wonderful thing that, and that we are doing here. STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, uh, this is a great thing to put into your career. Uh, it's a great thing to have you on your resume, some type of aviation background. There's all different kinds of ways to fly. One of the, the people that I know Larry's been talking to lately, uh, Jamie Beckett over the You Can Fly initiative over at AOPA, they've been promoting uh, different clubs and different ways to get into aviation a lot less expensively. Me, personally, I've gotten become partners in an airplane. So there's all these ways to do it. It's out there. And that's what's cool about this book is that you're actually promoting that and teaching people how it can happen. And, and you know, you can actually do it. And they 
they definitely can. So it, it's open air. Tell us when this book is actually going to be out by the time we publish this this podcast. Where can the people find the book if they're listening to it right us right now? Um, so it's going to be on Amazon okay. and both in print and on Kindle. And um, yeah, so or you can go to the website if we if it's available openairforeveryone.com. Other places as it becomes available, we'll mention that on, you know, Barnes and Noble and stuff. We'll mention that on the website when it happens. So, right, awesome. Well, I can't wait to to read the rest of it, and uh, it's it's really inspirational. Uh, it's also something that I think everybody should should look at. It's something that is easy to read and it's relatable, and it really does take democracy to the sky. So I think that's that's really important here. It's it's for everybody. Aviation is for everybody. Well, gosh, Jeff, we, we got to wrap this up. And uh, but before we go, just real quickly, your websites are. If you could just tell us uh, those again. Uh, my website for my book is openairforeveryone.com, and my website for flight instruction is Skyweb aviation.com uh, and we'll have all that in the show notes and uh, and we'll put all links to that and links to the book so make sure you check it out it's really easy you can download it to, on your Kindle I'm assuming now and uh, and by the time you, this comes out and we also uh, really love to hear what what you've gotten out of this so you the listener as far as the discussions we had with you know a plane crash and what have you prepared yourself for that crash and with post crash and I think uh, all of us can glean something from what you've said again that's really uh one of the, the i loved your website openairforeveryone.com inspirational and uh don't forget to check out the blog and and the, your website your articles are terrific also you're on facebook too also don't forget to uh, visit our sponsor airpros.com air-pros.com aviation insurance resources pilots protecting pilots there are people that are actually involved in aviation they're uh, obviously victoria newville who's uh, one of our co-hosts is one of the agents there but they have people all over the country have a lot of experience in many different avenues of aviation from starting out as a student all the way up to commercial aviation well folks i really appreciate your listening today and we'll talk to you next episode safe flying you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast members of the stuck mike abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast compensation may be received in the form of but not limited to referral commissions free products or service trials our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show the stuck mike abcast is an aviation podcast and a valeri aviation corporation production